Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of The Package Tourist, hosted by yours truly, The Package Tourist and the magical mystery tour called life, Matthew DiBiaz. Tonight's guest is Benoit Clairou. Benoit lives in Verdun in Quebec and is a member of the Society of International Hockey Researchers. He maintains the website Histoire Nordique at, at .ca, devoted to the history of the Quebec Nordiques. The Quebec Nordiques were one of the solid franchises in the World Hockey Association and competed in two Avco Cup finals in 1975 and 1977, winning the Avco Cup title in 77. They emerged with the NHL in 1979 and continued until the team moved to Colorado in 1995 when they became the Colorado Avalanche. This month marks the 50th anniversary of the founding of the Quebec Nordiques. Benoit, welcome to the show. It's an honor and privilege to have you here. I'd like to start off by asking that when the World Hockey Association was being formed, was it always a foregone conclusion that Quebec would be one of the franchises? Well, uh, Matthew, uh, not at all. Uh, the Quebec Nordiques were the, well, let's not, not say the last franchise because, uh, as you know, there were some teams that moved just a few months before the season began. But uh, the Nordic, uh, Quebec City came into the WHA the day before the draft. Wow. So it was, uh, they had uh, less than 24 hours to prepare for the draft. Of course, as we all know, it was a, a kind of a strange draft, over 1,000 players uh, picked by the 12 teams. And in the WHA, well, uh, if you didn't draft the player you wanted, well, you, you could just ask the other, the other team and they will probably uh, give him uh, to you uh, for a uh, small compensation, you know. So the Nordic, what happened with the Quebec Nordic uh, very briefly is that the the founders were uh, used to own a part of the Quebec Ramparts. Uh, that was the junior hockey team back then. There's still one today, uh, a team named the same way, but it was the old Quebec Ramparts. And these uh, six guys uh, left the ramparts and said, well, we have, uh, I don't know, uh, a few thousand, uh, tens of thousands of dollars. Uh, we should invest in something else. And that something else was the World Hockey Association. And they came a bit late. And when they were asked uh, for some money, they were asked uh, over $200,000, while the other teams paid, uh, paid maybe 25000 So. Uh, because they were a bit late, they, they had to pay more. And the franchise that they got was supposed to be the San Francisco franchise. But between you and me and, and the people listening, uh, I'm not sure that the league really wanted to play in San Francisco. It was what we call a floating franchise. It was owned by friends of the league uh, founders. So in a way, you know, it was a, a team that they kept at the end to sell to the Quebec people. The WHA was happy to have a team in the province of Quebec, of course, but they'll just say that the, the people of Quebec City had to pay a little bit more for their team than the other cities. How quickly did the people of Quebec take the Nordiques to its heart? Well, it went, it went pretty fast. Uh, you know, the, like I said, there was the Quebec Ramparts and the junior, Quebec Junior Khalid which was extremely popular in those days. They had uh, about 10,000 people per game in the Calaisee who had the 10,000 seats. So the, the Quebec Nordic in their first season, I think they got almost 8,000 people a game uh, in average. So that was very good. One of the best uh, uh, 
cities and the WHA, even though the Nordic missed the playoffs uh, the first year, but uh, there was something, you know, that team uh, playing in the big uh, professional league, you know, it was major pro, not the minor pro uh, with the old days with the Quebec Aces. Now it was major pro. And the people in Quebec uh, really responded well and they, they got to like their team and maybe it wasn't the best team, but it was an exciting team and the many players from Quebec City, like Renan Leclerc, you know, uh, was born in Quebec City. So many, many uh, French Canadians playing for the Quebec Nordic that first year. How much, what was it like watching the Nordiques on ice? I mean, what was it like being in the Colisée and watching them play? What was their style of play, the Quebec Nordiques, during the WHA era? Well, first year was tougher, maybe because uh, for them, because they didn't have as much talent as maybe the other teams. They they had some problems against teams like the Waiters, the New England Waiters, who had a very good team from day one. But uh, as the year passed uh, on, uh, the Quebec Nordic got uh, more and more talent, uh, talented players, uh, quick players, a skilled player like uh, Mactardé, for example, who was maybe the most uh, skilled player in the WHA at the time, maybe with uh, and, uh, Bobby Hall, of course, and uh, André Lacroix, but uh, still, uh, the Nordic didn't revolutionize uh, the sport of hockey, uh, maybe that was done by the Winnipeg Jets with the upline, but uh, that's another story. But uh, there was so much talent in Quebec City. It was like the the French, uh, the, the flying Frenchman uh, all over again, you know. So uh, in the 74, 75, 76, when this arrived and Coutier and Bartolo, uh, there was a lot of goals. And of course, the people were very excited at the Colisée. Let's talk about the, 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 th the three great men, Marc Tardif, Real Cloutier, and Christian Bordereau. They, they were a line, correct? Yes, it was the Quebec Nordic uh, first line from 74-75 when, uh, I mean, Tardif and Bordeaux almost came, the, they came the same week, uh, almost the same day. And PC had just arrived. He was a rookie uh, from the Quebec Rampart. So uh, you may, of course, you, know, you understand that the people that were from the Ramparts were not very happy to see PC leave uh, so soon. But anyway, uh, so the that line uh, just uh, gelled from the start, and again, I mean, the, there was the outline in uh, Winnipeg with uh, all uh, Nelson and Edberg, but the, there was no name for that line in Quebec City. That's a, that's a shame, but that uh, low Cloutier, uh, and Pelvis line was really something uh, to see also. Break it down. What did each three of the men bring to the ice? I mean, who... Who who were the who were the shooters and who were who was the playmaker and who was like the 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 who brought the physicality of that line you know of Tardif, well, Cloutier, and Bordelot? Well, more the, the Bordelot would uh, make the plays, uh, of course. Uh, Cloutier, you know, he was uh, very young at the time, a uh, very sharp shooter. Uh, Tardif uh, maybe had uh, he had the whole package. Uh, he was a bit more physical. Uh, that may have changed after his uh, attack in 76 uh, when he was a uh, brutally uh, uh, attacked uh, by Rick Josio from the Calgary Cowboys. But before that, he, his mask would fight uh, quite a bit, but not quite a bit, but uh, from time to time, you know, uh, 
And he was a big, uh, strong player, uh, much bigger than uh, Christian Bordelot, who was very small, and they actually say, well, uh, average size uh, player. So that that was, uh, you know, the, the way that that line uh, operated. What was the late J.C. Tremblay like as a defenseman? Well, I think there's no doubt uh, that uh, uh, J.C. Tremblay was the best uh, defenseman in the WHA. Uh, of course, WHA was a very attack-oriented lead, but uh, still, JC was a uh, marvel to watch. He controlled he controlled the puck a lot. Uh, he really made uh, unbelievable passes. I think he he's the second best passer in the history of the league. So uh, really, he, the first year he, he was everything for the Quebec Nordic. Uh, yes, uh, Sergio Gris was good. Uh, in front of the net, so, but uh, J.C. Tremblay, I mean, a magician, what a player. He, he, that first year, he was everything for the Quebec Nordic. He played uh, almost 60 minutes, uh, more than 60 minutes of a game <laughs> once. Uh, he had uh, overtime, 10 minutes overtime, but he played 61 minutes uh, in one game. So uh, it shows you how uh, he was not a physical player at all. Uh, more uh, cerebral player, you know, but uh, it shows you uh, how much uh, energy he would put, uh, he would play. I mean, he was a one-of-a-kind player, and and got the, the Nordic got him from the Montreal Canadiens uh, in 72. In your opinion, do you think he should be inducted into Hockey Hall of Fame, and do you think his stint in the WHA actually killed, harmed his chances of being inducted into Hockey Hall of Fame, in your opinion? Well, let's just say, uh, let's see it the other way. <laughs> if he had stayed with the Canadians, he would be in the Hall of Fame because mm. he would have won uh, most probably uh, four or five uh, more cups, Stanley Cups. Um, yes, going to the WHA uh, probably has hurt his chances. He, he was not also the kind of person, you know, to be nicey nicey to everyone. Uh, he, when he had something to say, he said it uh, without, uh, you know, putting uh, white gloves, uh, any, anything, you know. So maybe that's why the kind of person he was, but still he was, uh, when he was your friend, you know, he helped you for forever, for life. So he was a great man, uh, but uh, yeah, he should be, of course, in the Hockey Hall of Fame. I know there's a lot of players that... Many people they will say, oh, he should be there, and back then, this maybe also, but J.C. Tremblay really was there. Uh, uh, he, he should be there. Why is it he isn't there? Well, uh, I think it's maybe, yeah, it's probably because he jumped. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens, of course, they really were upset when he left, so maybe that's a price uh, he had to pay. Although, he, he, at, at the end, he came back to the Montreal Canadiens as a, a scout, you know, so they, they forgive him, but uh, maybe the, the league didn't, or anyway, I don't know. Yeah, and sadly, uh, for those of you listening, he died of cancer. Was it 83 or 84 he died of cancer while living in Switzerland, I believe? 94, yeah, 1994, okay. the, the same year of the left uh, Quebec City, yeah. Oh, that's a shame. I know. Rest in peace, JC. Yeah. Rest in peace, my yeah. friend. Benoit, in your opinion, during the WHA era, who do you think was the unsung hero of the Nordiques during their WHA existence, in your opinion? Well, there, there's two players. Maybe uh, the first would be uh, Serge Bernier, 
uh, he came the second year with the Quebec Nordic. He, he was kind of a power forward, but, um, and really the first year he was by far the best uh, attacker at, on the team. Of course, after that, uh, they had Futier, Bordelot, Salvin, uh, but uh, still uh, Serge was a strong player on that uh, second line. And he was the MVP in 77 during the playoffs. So Serge Bernier is one, but the other also is uh, Richard Bradar. Uh, Richard Bradar played all uh, seven seasons of the Nautic in WHA. And, you know, to be a goalie in the WHA, <laughs> facing Bobby Hall, <laughs> facing Andersenberg, yeah. yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it, it must have been terrible, but uh, Richard uh, was uh, afraid of nothing. Uh, he had a great uh, approach to hockey, but sadly, uh, the Nordic didn't keep him when he went into the NHL in 79. Uh, they just, uh, the, the year before he was injured and maybe there was something between him and uh, the GM, uh, Maurice Fillion, we'll never know, but uh, they let him go in 79. And after that, when he came to the Colisée, uh, let me tell you, he wanted to win every game because yeah. <laughs> he's a very, very proud player that uh, Richard Radar. Let's get into coaches now, because in the, in the very first season, the yeah. Nordiques shocked the whole hockey world when they hired Maurice Rocket Richard to be their head coach. I mean, how much of a surprise was that to the Quebec fans when they got they hired the Rocket to be head coach? Well, uh, I think the the first person to be shocked was Maurice Richard himself. <laughs> he never expected to, to coach the Quebec Nordic. He, he didn't have a very good relationship with Quebec City. Uh, his kids were booed at uh, some uh, peewee tournaments and stuff like that. But uh, the Nordic, you know, they really needed attention and they, they had to face the Quebec ramparts. Uh, so they had to do something. And yeah, DC Crumbly was a big, big, big piece of the puzzle, but they needed more. And that uh, thing was uh, hiring uh, Maurice Richard. Sadly, Maurice, he resigned after only two games. Uh, he was not prepared. I'm not sure if he, it was, uh, well, he never coached again. So let's just say that uh, it wasn't. Uh, Something that he wanted, really wanted to do. Uh, some people say his wife uh, told him to do it. Uh, anyway, but uh, he wasn't prepared. He, he missed uh, the crane camp. He was in Russia for the uh, summit series. So uh, he had a prior engagement. So anyway, uh, he just uh, was there for two games. He never wanted to be paid. He left, uh, you know, uh, saying, I don't uh, belong there. But in a way, you know, he helped uh, sell tickets and give uh, publicity to the Quebec Nordic. So even the, even if he left only for two games, I think it was a positive thing for the Nordic. Then the following season, they reach out to another great uh, French-Canadian mortal. They hired Jacques Plante to be head coach. I mean, was that another big surprise? Yes, a big surprise. Uh, it wasn't positive. <laughs> uh, he was not only coach, but also GM. Uh, that was something at $100,000 a, a year uh, or, so, or something like that.
maybe not for Jean-Claude, but anyway, I think Jacques uh, gave it a fair try, maybe not for all the season, but for, for a few uh, weeks, months, maybe. And after that, uh, he, he, I think he, he realized that it wasn't uh, like the Wallis Richard, he wasn't made to be a coach, and especially not a GM. Uh, wasn't very good. Well, let's say <laughs> there's many things that have been said about uh, Jacques Plante and money. Uh, let's just see that he came from a very, very, very poor background. And for him, uh, it was uh, money was a, extremely important for him to keep. So he was he wouldn't spend a lot of money, that's for sure, for, for the team. And this, even though he was a kind of cheap, the, the team uh, really lost a lot of money that year. Everything went wrong. They, they had the team to make a playoff, but they didn't. And sadly, the, the last two games, the Nordic lost, uh, and Lant, uh, he really wasn't there. I mean, he was physically there, but mentally he was uh, already uh, back uh, as a goalie. Uh, we learned that uh, after, of course, but uh, that's too bad that uh, it kind of spoiled the Nelvic uh, second season in WHA. Now, besides uh, Rocco Richard and Jacques Platt, they had four other men who coached the team during the WHA years. In your opinion, who was their best coach You know, during mm-hmm. their WHA, the World Hockey Association existence? Mm-hmm. Well, as you know, of course, he replaced the... Uh, uh, Maurice Richard, uh, Fillon was a good coach in junior, but uh, in the pros, maybe uh, not as good. But anyway, he, he was okay. Zangui Jandron, uh, again, another former player without experience, uh, he, he had a very good team to play for him. So, But sometimes I, I believe it was, uh, he was outcoached by the other team. So the, the best uh, the best coach I think the Nordic had in the WHC was Mike Boileau. Uh, Matt Boileau had coached uh, the, in the pros for many years before that. He had coached in the NHL with the Penguins. Uh, when he arrived in 76, you know, the team was, uh, they had uh, came so close in 75, and they had the tragedy in 76 when Pelvis uh, was attacked. And, you know, Boileau just arrived at a good time. He was a good teacher. Uh, many players loved him. Of course, you cannot be loved by all the players, but many players really, really liked Matt Boileau. And he made a difference, and he, he, he beat the Russians in January, uh, the famous game when the Nordic won 6-1 against the Russians. Uh, nobody had done that well. Some teams had beaten the Russians, but never 6-1. to one. Wow. And, um, yeah, and after that, of course, they won the AFCO uh, Cup, uh, the AFCO World Trophy against the Winnipeg Jets. So, my vote goes to Mike Boileau, even though Jacques Demers, of course, was a coach last season, but yeah. Jacques was still very young. He was still learning the ropes, uh, if I might say. So uh, I would definitely go with Mike Boileau, even though he didn't last. Uh, the coaches in Quebec City in those days never lasted a lot. Uh, the first, the only, of course, was Michel Bergeron, but that was later on in the NHL. Yeah. During, during their seven seasons in the World Hockey Association, who were the Nordiques' biggest arch rivals? What was their fiercest rivalry in in the WHA, in your opinion? Okay, well, like I said, the, the biggest rivalry at, at first was the Quebec Ramparts because they were uh, playing in the same building, uh, fighting for the same ice time. Uh, it was, uh, and the, 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 the owners, the first owners of the Nordic were former owners of the Ramparts, and the Ramparts were not happy to 
and their players leave uh, so soon. So there was a big rivalry, but uh, of course an Olympic one because uh, pro hockey will always uh, be uh, more popular than junior hockey. But in the WHA, well, I, I, I have to say again, the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, I think the Jets were the biggest <laughs> enemy for all the other teams, maybe. But uh, still, uh, they played. Uh, there was a Canadian division at one time uh, yeah. in the WHA. So Quebec and Winnipeg were really fighting for it in '76, and uh, Winnipeg won, uh, won it by two points, I think, and that made uh, the Nordic uh, play against uh, Calgary. But uh, yeah, 77, uh, what can I say? What the series against the Jets? It could have gone either way. Some people have said that, uh, well, uh, the Nordic uh, declined to play in Russia that year and the Jets had to go there and they were tired and blah, blah, blah. But the Nordic, the, the year after that, they went to Russia and they were tired and they lost in the semifinals. So maybe, uh, <laughs> I don't know, you know, maybe the Nordic would have won in 78 instead of 77. So it's easy to say, well, uh, if, if, if this uh, didn't happen and this and that. But uh, things happened that way and the Nordic, you know, were very, uh, I mean, they, they deserve to win uh, at least one ASCO Cup and that happened in 77 against the Jets. Benoit, have you ever written any books on the Nerdics? And if so, please tell our listeners where can they find your books? You know, your books. Well, the the book I wrote was in 2001 uh, in Nordic Quebec, Toute l'histoire de 1972 à 1995. You will understand, of course, that it's a book that's only available in French. Mm. I'm sorry about that. Uh, the, the book is almost uh, impossible to find, uh, even though there were more than five or six thousand copies sold. It was a bestseller in Quebec, uh, and but uh, people who have the book uh, want to keep that book. <laughs> it's like a little encyclopedia about the Quebec Nordic with a lot of pictures. So I like. I think people really like their book, uh, the book, and they want to keep it. So. Sometimes you will find one on eBay, but it's uh, it seldom happens. So the best uh, way to, to to read what I've re written about the Nordic is my website, histoirenordic.ca. Uh, uh, if you type uh, Quebec Nordic in uh, any uh, search device on the internet, you will probably find it. And I'm also working on a new book because uh, the, the book I made in 2001, it was, like I said, a, a bit of an encyclopedia. There weren't uh, at all any interviews with former Nordic players, so uh, it was something that was missing. So with a friend of mine, Yves Dumont, we're working on a new Quebec Nordic book, and hopefully it will be uh, ready next year, and we really would like it to be translated in English, so all the Quebec Nordic uh, fans in uh, other parts of Canada and in the U.S. and I mean everywhere else in the world could uh, will probably will finally be able to read a book about the Quebec Nordic in English because yes, the Quebec Nordic, well, you know, they were the French uh, team in the WHA, the French city, and so on and so on. So yes, I guess. Uh, it's better when you know you know French when you want to le learn a bit more about the Quebec Nordic. But uh, like I said, uh, we'll definitely try to have an English version of that new book uh, next year. What time next year, Benoit? Because I'd love to have you on the show again and help you promote that book. Really, I'd love well, to have you on the show depends. again. 
maybe in one year, uh, at the end of the next year, uh, we'll, it will depend if we find a, a publisher and, you know, the translation, uh, when we'll, we'll do it. Uh, translating is kind of, well, it's not that long, but it's quite expensive. Uh, uh, you have to find the right uh, person, but uh, hopefully I, I know <laughs> a good person or two. So maybe we'll be able next year, but maybe the year after that. Uh, it's strange because uh, usually when I write a book, because I've written books about other subjects, uh, I'll always do it in a year or less. But this time, uh, it's like I want to do it uh, right, and maybe they take a little bit more time to make it right. Uh, so because it's a it's a real subject, you know that uh, that I love uh, the Quebec Nordic, and I love I know that a lot of people uh, really enjoy the, the Nordic and want to learn more about them. So we'll try for next year, but maybe 2024. We'll see. <laughs> well, when it does, I want you on the show again so I can help you promote it. Okay. Well, I love it. That you, I love it. Do you think there'll ever be a hope that the NHL will ever return? NHL hockey will return to Quebec. I mean, I think it's a tragedy that they lost that Quebec lost the Nordiques. I mean, do you think there'll ever be a hope they'll ever come back again? Well, I, I hope they come back. They, they certainly have the arena for it. The new Saint yes. Vidéotron is really gorgeous. Uh, it's uh, very, very. I think it's it's. it's Probably better than a lot of right uh, rings that actually the NHL. That's for sure. I think there's a big support in Quebec City. Uh, we know it's not the, the biggest city, but people love hockey so much that uh, I don't see why the support uh, wouldn't be there. The main problem, of course, is finding the money, finding finding a buyer, especially finding a buyer that the NHL wants. Uh, because you know, uh, it it used to be that uh, if you wanted to buy a hockey team, well, uh, do it. <laughs> yeah. Here's a here's a formula. Here's a form and fill it, and there you go. Yeah. But now it's much more complicated. They really want to. They they're really picky. We know when it's time to choose a new uh, owner. Uh, probably the person who wants to buy the Quebec Nordic uh, is not liked by uh, everyone in the NHL. And I don't, I don't mean that he deserves that. He probably doesn't deserve that reputation. But the fact is, is that he has a bad reputation. So probably that's why the team. Uh, there's no team in Quebec City. Uh, it's sad because I mean the the arena is there. The the people are there. The the fans. Uh, everything. But. And the money is there also, but uh, there's something that's not working. <laughs> and people have said, oh, that's because uh, Batman doesn't want a team in Quebec City. But I think it's more uh, complicated. Uh, there's there already, uh, I think there's a problem with the, the NHL and the, the, the future owner of the team. Uh, probably it's, uh, it's the, what's happening in Quebec City. So, I mean, if there's not a buyer, if there's a changes in the NHL, I don't know. I mean, hopefully uh, something will change and uh, Quebec Nordic will uh, get back in the NHL. Benoit, I want to thank you so much for appearing on the show and I wish you the best of luck in all your endeavors. And again, let me know when your next book comes out and you'll, I'll have you on again, okay? All right. Well, thank you very much, Matthew. It's been a, it's been a, pre a pleasure talking to you. May God bless and keep you always. All right. You too. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. 
stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, for next week's show, where I will be interviewing hockey author Jeff Kirbyson about the Winnipeg Jets during the World Hockey Association years. And I just want to remind my listeners that my latest book, Lords of the Gridiron 2, Pro Football's Greatest Coaches, is available at Amazon at 30% off, and it will remain on sale at 30% off until after Super Bowl 57 is played in mid-February. Take care. Uh, hopefully you buy it for a, a stocking stuffer for Christmas. Take care and good night.